This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Human trafficking isn't a matter of kidnapping people. One expert says it involves mind manipulation and threats, and the pandemic made the problem worse. What should you do if you suspect someone might be a victim? We'll have this story. So instead of physical kidnapping, think of it more as a mental tether, not a physical chain. So they're using mental manipulation, coercion, deception, things that you can't see. Then, how can you avoid career burnout and find the right balance between work and life? We've got to take copious notes. We need to make a schedule for ourselves. And you do that at the end of the day. What am I going to do tomorrow? What did I not accomplish today? What do I need to do first? Those two stories and more are ahead on this week week's show. Stay with us. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Human trafficking victims are often controlled by mind manipulation and threats rather than by physical means. What should you do if you suspect someone might be a victim? With the story, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Human trafficking is often called modern-day slavery. Victims are exploited most often for sex or labor, and all cases have one thing in common, a loss of human dignity. In 2020, the Department of Homeland Security opened a center for countering human trafficking, It supports criminal investigations, victim assistance, intelligence analysis, outreach, and training facilities. And none too soon, as our guest today says, the pandemic made trafficking worse. Kimberly Melman Orozco holds a Ph.D. in criminology, law, and society and testifies as a human trafficking expert in court. She authored the book Hidden in Plain Sight, America's Slaves of the New Millennium. Kimberly, what is the connection between the pandemic and an increase in sex trafficking? First, it's important to note that there is a dearth of research, empirical research on prevalence estimates. So empirically, we can't say definitively whether there has been a significant increase, but using qualitative information, interviews, and also just trends that we're seeing online, it does suggest that there may be an increase due to the pandemic. And essentially, it's because when you have a population, an increased population of marginalized persons, people who have been displaced from their jobs in the service industry, in the travel industry, a lot of industries have been hit hard. And when people lose their jobs and become a little bit more desperate, you have an increased population who are turning to other methods to make ends meet. So for example, survival of sex, there have been documented anecdotal cases of that increasing. And when somebody is turning to those more desperate means and measures to make ends meet, sex traffickers see an opportunity, an opportunity of somebody that they can recruit and control and exploit. And essentially what a trafficker does, the way that they recruit is they make the false promise to fulfill a void, whether it's making their ends meet, whether it's, you know, giving them the false assumption of safety or protection in that industry, building their self-esteem, helping them self-actualize other aspirations. A trafficker is essentially looking what they're having a difficulty doing and making the false promise in helping them or assisting them in providing that type of support. In spite of the hard data dearth, as you mentioned it, do we have a sense at least of how many people are victims here in the United States? 
There are numbers floating around in the hundreds of thousands, but most of those estimates are really just that. They're guesses, and some of them have been debunked as myths. From what we actually see, hard numbers of cases going through the criminal justice system and resulting in a human trafficking conviction It's in the hundreds or at the most a thousands. So there's definitely a big gap between what people estimate to be the size of the victim population versus the actual cases we see come through the criminal justice system. So that's one thing we talk about as it's a very clandestine crime. It's difficult to identify, frequently misidentified. And so we do know there's a gap between the extant existing cases and the ones that actually see law enforcement intervention. You say that Hollywood movies depict traffickers using kidnapping or physical force to get their victims, but what is the typical situation? Absolutely. The average person thinks of something like out of the movie Taken, where there's a clearly innocent victim and you have these bad guys who are gun-wielding mobsters and it's you know a very black and white case of good versus evil. In reality, there's a lot of gray, and that's one of the reasons why I testify as an expert witness. It's to bridge that credibility gap for victims, to educate jurors and judges in the courtroom as a whole on how human trafficking actually happens. So instead of physical kidnapping, where it is I think more difficult to control multiple people if you're physically kidnapping them. Think of it more as a mental tether, not a physical chain. So they're using mental manipulation, coercion, deception, things that you can't see or visibly understand or tell that that person's a victim because they've been deceived or defrauded. Sometimes they'll portray themselves as a boyfriend or a faux family member or a friend that are really trying to help that individual, help that victim. So it's definitely more social engineering and coercion and deception as opposed to physical force. Now, there definitely are cases where there is physical force or intermittent abuse, but more often than not, the consistent consistent theme throughout a victimization is deception, coercion, and really just manipulation, mental manipulation. We're visiting with Kimberly Melman Orozco, whose first book, Hidden in Plain Sight, America's Slaves of the New Millennium, is used to train law enforcement on human trafficking investigations. What should ordinary people do if they suspect a person is a trafficking victim? Call local police or the feds? There are a number of hotlines out there of different nonprofit organizations, but also federal entities like the DHS, Department of Homeland Security Blue Campaign, that operates a hotline. But I actually do recommend that you go to first responders. You go to your local law enforcement, and oftentimes they do have a dedicated person or team that are skilled and trained on human trafficking situations. So I would start there. You can also just, for peace of mind, report it in multiple places. So start with local law enforcement. You can call a local service provider. So if you know an organization locally that does help victims and survivors, you can call them as well, but also one of the federal hotlines as well. So the Department of Homeland Security operates one. I know Polaris is a nonprofit. They operate one as well. The problem with those, it's a little bit of a black hole. You give that information, you're not sure what comes of it. And so I would say cut out the middleman and just go straight to first responders, the people that are actually going to be intervening in those situations, which more likely than not is local law enforcement. 
The State Department does recommend that state and local authorities be encouraged to have policies not to prosecute victims for the illegal things their traffickers make them do. How big a problem is that? It actually is a very systemic problem. So we do see the average victim of trafficking is prosecuted multiple times during the course of his or her victimization. Part of that is, again, it's mental manipulation, coercion, deception. So sometimes they don't self-identify as a victim. And oftentimes they behave, walk, talk, and act maybe like a co-conspirator or somebody who is consenting. And so for that reason, we often see victims of trafficking prosecuted for prostitution, for drug-related offenses, and even sometimes prosecuted as a co-conspirator to a sex trafficking operation, so facing charges of sex trafficking. So it is is very systemic. And for that reason, one, we see over 50% of states have vacator statutes. A vacator statute provides post-conviction relief for erroneously criminalized victims. So if a victim is arrested and convicted and sentenced and then later identified correctly as a victim of trafficking, we can expunge that criminal record. But also, you know, you're seeing this recommendation starting to change how prosecutors operate. So I know the prosecutor in Manhattan recently made an announcement that he's no longer prosecuting prostitution charges for that very reason, because of misidentification, but also because even consenting sex workers sometimes don't report violent victimizations like robbery and rape for fear of criminalization themselves. So he's decriminalized prostitution. That comes with a whole host of other issues because it's very difficult to discern a victim of trafficking from a consenting sex worker. The research has shown in areas where prostitution is legalized, you actually do see an uptick in sex trafficking. So it's a very complicated issue. There are costs and benefits for whatever approach, but the reality is Amnesty International also advocates for decriminalization of sex work and a discontinued prosecution, erroneous prosecution and criminalization of victims of trafficking. So many aspects to this problem. Kimberly Melman Orozco, thank you for joining us today to shine a light on the human trafficking situation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, avoiding career burnout while finding time to enjoy life. That story, coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead. Ah! 